0: When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud. They tore their robes, sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Let's pray. Lord, people hurt. And sometimes... They don't understand why. We're a people full of questions, Lord. You know, and you sent Jesus to pay a price that we couldn't pay. He suffered. Uh, Father, uh, as we look today at advice uh, to husbands in times of suffering in the family and to friends, uh, Father, Speak. And may we hear from You, Lord. May Your comfort be available. In Your name we pray. Amen. The word crucible in Latin literally means cross. We also get our word excruciating from it. The idea of someone facing a time that is excruciating, that is severely painful, a lot of times when I've seen people and, and, uh, I don't know what's going on in their lives. I see them acting in ways I don't understand. And then at some point, I learn a piece of the puzzle I didn't know, and it was like, oh, you know, kind of like we said, when we get to heaven, the, the first word will be, oh. You know, there's just that, oh moment. As, as we look at Job, here's a guy, he didn't know the background of this meeting between the great adversary Satan and God. He, he didn't know about this, uh, pain that God would allow to be afflicted. And man, did he go through the suffering. He he lost his properties. He lost his, his livestock, his way to make a living. Um, his servants were destroyed. The most agonizing pain of all ten children would die. He, he faced all of that. The blessings were torn away. And then there was a second round we looked at last time where his health was taken from and we looked through Job. There's all these descriptions of the pain and the suffering that was afflicted on Job, and and how he struggled with that. And we also spent some time looking at the importance of a wife that's able to stand beside a suffering husband. And today, I want to look at the other side of that. Uh, just a little bit of recap: as you think about that wife, Mrs. Job, uh, she, she gets cast almost as a villain a lot of times. I can't, look at that. She says, curse God and just let go of that integrity, honey. Let go. But remember what she lost. I mean, here's a, here's a woman. She was used to, to having a certain lifestyle, beautiful home. Uh, her husband was a great businessman and all that was ripped away from her. And not only that, the most important thing of all, the death of ten children. How do you deal with that? And then her husband, her, her her lover, her companion, he's in so much pain, she's lost him. Or a time that she missed with him. And, and so there's that type of suffering with her. And then we come to a point where um, we look at Job himself and how he responded to her and lessons that we can learn from that. It's interesting in James 5.11, there's a verse in there about Job. It says, You have heard of Job's perseverance and what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Bible at that point doesn't talk about Job's great suffering and his holiness and his righteousness. It talks about him being a man of perseverance who just made it through. For example, Columbus didn't have to keep heading toward the new world when times got rough. And no one would have blamed him if he had turned around and went back because of all the uncertainty. But no one would remember him either. And why we remember Job is because of the intense suffering that he persevered through. And uh, with that in mind, let's uh, look at some lessons here. Uh, Chapter 2, verse verse 9, his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. As we think about pain, I listened this past week. I've discovered finally I'm behind technology-wise, the world of audiobooks and, and uh, I listened to this book, It's All About Grace. Story of a guy. Anyway, there was a part in there he talked about a friend of his that told him. He said, I've learned an important lesson from a friend of mine who said, if we do not transform our pain, we will transfer it to others. And you know that really stuck in my mind people who are who are who are hurting tend to hurt other people. There has to be a transformation or it'll be transferred and and in her case, she's in so much pain and and, and that's transferred to him And a couple of lessons here that job that we can learn from Job and his response to her and something all us husbands can learn from is to listen. Really listen to our wives. And then to tell the truth. He listened to her. Uh, You know, our biggest problem, guys, is not that we're hard of hearing, it's we're hard of listening. A lot of times we just don't want to listen or as I like to fondly say, I like to multitask. Do three or four things at the same time. Are you listening to me, honey? Yeah, I'm listening. What did I say? Oh. So much for the multitasking. But to zero in and there's so much power on really listening. And he was honest. I want you to notice what he said to her. He he responded to her and he said, Um, You're talking like a foolish woman. He doesn't say, you know, you're wicked or or, or you're evil. Basically, when he's saying foolish, he's saying, Honey, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. What you're saying is, is leaving God out of the picture. What is it? He, he listens, and then he's just honest. He's not mean. He's not trying to, to attack her. He, he's, he's trying to be honest before. He says, Honey, that, that's not right. As he speaks to her, he wants to be clear in the advice that he's sharing. Just tell the truth. And there's great power in a loving way. Just to tell the truth. Because we need to hear the truth. Secondly, second lesson here, to teach her about God. Notice what he says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Uh, he was basically saying to her, honey, this is the Lord. I don't understand everything that's going on, but let's remember who this is. This is God. He is the one that's in charge. He has a plan that we don't fully see. And honey, we've got to trust I believe that wives, that ladies out there are looking for a husband who will lead the way spiritually. Who will walk with God. Who will share what God is teaching him with her. Not like, let me tell you something, honey. Let me tell you. God speaks to me. I'm not talking that kind of stuff. (laughs) I'm talking about where there's a connection with God and, and, and there's a longing and a desire to share it with a woman he loves most. And, 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 and I believe women respond to that kind of leadership, that kind of love, where it, it talks about the husband being leader, that's a kind of leadership. It's a leadership that loves, because the command is for husbands, love your wives with a love that's sacrificial, with a love that's looking to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and that walk. There's a hunger there. There's a need there. And Job expressed that and he exemplified that as he shared. Third, to model verbal purity. I want you to notice what he said to her. Um, It says, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. He didn't attack her. He didn't belittle her. He didn't in any way make her less than him. He was careful in what he said and what he spoke was out of love. And that's key. That's key. And then there's to accept her completely. In a in an environment that loves her unconditionally, we all thrive in that kind of place where I'm going to love you warts and all. And I'm going to be there for you, honey. I'm committed to God, and I'm committed to you. Where well, there's a commitment to hang in there regardless of what's ahead. That, that, that speaks volumes. And that's Job's heart in the midst of all this pain. What he said, it was not sinful. It was not an attack. It was, it was pointing to God, and it was, it was reassuring her. And, 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 and guys, that, 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 that's so critical to, to have that type of heart and that type of attitude. I'm committed to you and I love you and I'm there for you. Unlike the story I heard of the woman who, well, she woke up and her husband wasn't in bed. She was worried about him so she went downstairs looking for him and he had a cup of coffee. It was late at night. He was staring straight ahead, blankly. Honey, what's wrong? Oh, he said, do you remember 20 years ago when your dad caught us in my car playing kissy face? Oh, yeah, I remember, honey. Do you remember when he stuck that pistol in my face? And he said, any boy that kissed my daughter like that, either better marry him or he's going to jail for 20 years. Yeah, I, I remember that, honey. It says, then he started crying. She said, "What's wrong?" I said, "Well, I'd have gotten out today." <laughs> now that's the wrong attitude. That you know, this is not a jail. This is not a prison. This is not somewhere. Now, God, God wants a relationship. This is how not to act. <laughs> he wants that relationship of love that's able to be shared. Honey. Now. That's a little advice to husbands in that time of suffering. I want to look at friends. You know, it's interesting here, as we look in this text of Scripture, um, in verses 11 through 13, we meet these three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar. And uh, as we learn more about them, we see that, uh, in many ways, uh, they were not the most comforting friends. But I have to give them some credit. And, and we're going to look at several lessons we learn from There's a fourth guy that we don't run into until much later on in chapter 32, a guy named Elihu. And he listened to three different cycles from these other friends who had come to his aid before he said anything. And anyway, we want to look at these four guys and we want to get some lessons, some powerful lessons that we can learn from their lives up. Uh, we don't have any details on them. You know, I assume because they were able to, to drop their jobs and to come almost immediately to their friend's aid, that they were in a situation uh, where they were able to leave work. They were in a situation where they had a a structure and they were well off enough, where they had some flexibility. And I, and I don't want to be um, too hard on them because they rushed to his aid. Now, th- think about your friend's. Think about a dear friend and you got news that your friend hit rock bottom. That I mean there was some catastrophe that hit. What would you do? This is what happened here with these guys. Okay, with that said, let's look at a couple of lessons here. Um, Friends care enough to come without being asked. Uh, There's no record here that Mrs. Job called for them, sent them telegrams, get out of here as soon as possible. They caught word. And and without being asked to come, they decided that they were going to come. Why? Because they cared about their friend. Um, Remember Lazarus? And remember the sisters, Mary and Martha, how they were broken and, and upset. Jesus came after His death. There's no record there that they ever asked Jesus to come. Why? Because uh, in their minds they knew that he was close to Lazarus and that just out of love for Lazarus he he would come immediately and he would come and be there. But what they didn't understand was that there was another purpose that God was at work with. Uh, Secondly, friends respond with sympathy and comfort. Um, They came, why, to make the the load lighter? Man, when people are hurting, you just want to do something. That's why a lot of times when, when people are in pain, the food starts piling in, you know. Cause people who care, they want to do something and so they come with the casseroles and they come with the chicken and, the, and they come with the food and, and people offer to take care of the kids or, or to mow the grass or, why? Because they want to make the load lighter. That's what friends do. They, they express their, their comfort and their sympathy by doing something that's tangible. They just show it. It's not, what can I do? It's They look and see these areas and, and, and they show that love, express it. This is that's, that's a friend. Third, um, they openly express the depth of their feelings. Real friends, uh, they fight back tears. I mean, there's an expression where they care. And, and that comes from a, a relationship that's been built. Um, you know, that doesn't happen without the relationship. I mean, usually the nurse that's on duty in the hospital doesn't say, how do you really feel? Tell me about your feelings. Usually like to bend over time for a shot, you know. Kind of, kind of, you know. Uh, but, 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 there was this expression of feelings that's shown here. And notice here in the scripture here, they didn't even recognize it. It says when they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. And and when they saw him, they began to to weep and they tore their robes as they, they looked at at his pain. And then fourth, they weren't turned off by the distressful sight of his condition. He was disfigured. He 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 was he was. It was obvious that he was suffering. And but that didn't turn them away. They didn't say, "Man, well, ugh, I'm getting out of here." <laughs> No, as they looked at him, the the compassion welled up. And they wanted to come closer. And and they wanted to to express their love to him. And and, and that's what friends do. They don't run at the sight of the pain. They run to, not away from. And then fifth and finally, uh, friends understand uh, without saying a lot. Without a lot of words. They choose to be witnesses instead of prosecuting attorneys. And unfortunately, as we go through Job, we see that his friends at times become prosecuting attorneys instead of witnesses. It is often um, not the many words. It is a suffering presence. It is a concern uh, that is expressed by being there. You know, when you go see people hurting, be careful, don't stay too long. It's the idea of I just want you to know I care and then get out. You know, who's had to experience You're in a painful situation? Somebody comes and you think, are they ever gonna leave? Are they ever gonna shut up? You know, I know you mean well, but you know, you don't need to go in and, and read the whole book of Job while someone's sitting there suffering. I wanted to provide comfort. No. No. That's that's certainly not the goal. Um, Chuck Swindoll in his book, Killing Giants, Pulling Thorns, he writes about a little girl who, one of her friends died, and she saw her mother, her friend's mother, weeping. And so she comforted her, and her father asked her, well, honey, what would you do to comfort her? And she said, well, I went, and I sat on her lap, and I cried with her. That's the kind of comfort that uh, I'm talking about here. Um, As I come to the end of this, in that same book, he he tells uh, uh, an illustration from Joe Bailey's book of you from the hearse. The Baileys had a number of kids, and three of those children died. They suffered. Uh, The first was at 18 months their daughter died of a heart defect, heart complications. The second, at the age of five, died of leukemia. And then they had a third that died in a tragic sledding accident. So they experienced a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. And Joe, in his book, A View from the Hersey, he he writes this paragraph. I was sitting torn by grief. Someone came and talked to me of God's dealings, of why it happened, of hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things I knew were true. I was unmoved except to wish he'd go away. He finally did. Another came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask me leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour or more, listened when I said something, answered briefly, prayed simply, left. I was moved, I was comforted, I hated to see him go. Huh. That visitor and the little girl were being as Jesus to hurting people and our calls to do likewise. Let's pray. Lord, as we've taken time to look at Job, Lord, as he who was in pain ministered to his lovely wife who also suffered, and sometimes in church we forget about her suffering. Thank you for that, Lord. That love shared in the midst of the crucible. Father, for friends. uh, Help us as friends, Lord. To be compassionate. Father, to look for little things that we can do to lighten the load. Father, to uh, not get too many words. But to be there. Father, Father, That the love of Jesus may just leak out of us, Lord. Father, I believe that's one of the greatest witnesses. People want to know that there is a love that matters. And of course, the Bible tells us God is love. And that whoever lives in God lives in love and love in Him. And, And so, Father, we recognize love by the name Jesus Christ. This morning... We have an opportunity to respond to perfect love. Um, Father, as was stated earlier, shared earlier, maybe it's uh, for the first time to say, I need love in my life, the perfect love of God in Jesus Christ. So enter my life, Jesus. Forgive me, flood me with your love, change me. Give me that which you provide. Uh, Father, I pray that if someone here... Is ready for that. That this would be the moment, Father, not to for me to say a prayer for them to repeat uh, necessarily, but for you speak and for them to say yes to you and your invitation of a new start and new life and forgiveness. Father, I don't know what the other needs are, Lord. As we talk about a crucible, a cross, there are people here who are hurting in ways that I don't know about, and in ways that others. Here, don't know about, but you know. And I pray, Father, for your supernatural intervention that you might reveal to them you love them and that you might, Father, give them hope and a sense of just your perfect love, Lord. Uh, Father, thank you for a chance to once again look at the book of Job and the lessons provided there. May we, Father, uh, be Your servant in sharing these. In Your name we pray. Amen.
1: Will you please stand? Only trust Him. rich blessings to the stone, plunge now into the crimson flood that washes white as snow. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him. This is the truth.
0: back tonight, we have a missionary speaker and look forward to hearing from her as she shares about God's work. And so I encourage you to come, be a part of that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I'm always reminded as I look at Job that we're all weak and you're not. Thank you for being our God who comes to our aid. Lord, you know about the pain that uh, is around here, Lord. And you are the God who, Father, brings comfort. And I just pray about that, Lord. Uh, Use me to be a comforter. Use others here to do that. And, Father, help us just know that no matter where we are, you're around. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen.